Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. There's a lot to jettison this week. Jettison or dump as we start to lead. Things that have been put inside us by other people because we certainly didn't. Hello, I'm Julia Middleton, Women Emerging Director and your podcast host. I'm talking this week to Anna Vafiado, a young woman leader who works for the World Wildlife Fund in Greece. In the book, If That's Leading, I'm In, I shared some of the things that women discovered on the first expedition. That first expedition when we set out to find an approach to leading that resonates with women. And we decided that there were a number of things that need dumping when you start to lead. Things like, you've got to be a good girl, or that you should ignore yourself or that you should minimise yourself, or the temptation to fall for flattery, or the overwhelming sense that you are not, or we are not enough. This list, this jettison list, resonated hugely with Anna. But um, not only did it resonate, she also started adding some of her own to the list. They're powerful points, right through, and especially her last point about the need, or that she decided that the need is to jettison some variations in her own voice, in how she expressed herself, the tone, the speed, her own voice, when she began to lead. And... um. Listen right on to the end of this episode. Don't be tempted to choose another episode to listen to that flows faster. I think that the point that Anna makes at the end sort of holds up a mirror to us, that we are too eager to not take the time to listen. I leave it to you. Anna, you told me, you told me, this list rings a lot of bells for you, doesn't it? And and, and I love the expression you introduced me to is spring cleaning. Um, and after you do spring cleaning, you have to throw a few things away, don't you? Uh, so it's the sort of, this is the leading spring cleaning episode. Tell me why this list resonates with you most, Anna. And, and where did it? get planted in how did it happen that this list ended up in your head um julia must admit that uh, i was surprised to read this list and uh, actually identifying myself with all those points and uh, this is surprising because um, with all those women we have never met we come from different backgrounds 
and um, it it just hit me. Uh, I had the same question online while I was reading. Is it is it possible for us to all have this this common thread? And uh, the only explanation I could give to this uh, question is uh, that it's a social uh, construction uh, that goes beyond, I don't know, east and west, uh, north and south. Um, the common point here is, uh, is women and uh, all of us who identify ourselves as women. Do you think it's do you think it's the way you're brought up? Is it is it is it instilled right from when you're born? Yes, uh, of course it is. Um, we all get those um, uh, those remarks when we are uh, when we are children. Oh, you're a good girl. Uh, how uh, other people. Uh, see us and what do they expect from us to act? How do they expect us to act in different circumstances? Um, I think those um, directions, I don't know, those guidances can either be um, verbal, can either be uh, really straightforward or uh, can be expressed uh, in different ways. Um, it's a look from my mother, for example. Um, um, I don't know. Um, yes, expressions uh, in the face. It's interesting, isn't it? And so when did you decide that a spring clean was needed? I think that uh, the first point is uh, to actually uh, confront uh, reality and uh, to actually understand what is going on. And um, I think women throughout their lives have uh, come up with this uh, difficult um, recognition various times. The, the difference is uh, if you are uh, ready to do something about it. And uh, this depends uh, from different circumstances, of course, but I think it also comes with experience. When you are more experienced, um, you feel more confident about uh, facing and confronting all those difficult issues. And um, so the answer to that would be spring cleaning didn't start in 19th of October 2023. Uh, this is a, a reiterative session, reiterative process. And um, I hope I will continue doing it uh, throughout my life, getting rid of um, all those um, heavy, um, I don't know how to put it, um, heavy loads uh, that um, really make it difficult for women to lead. In that list, the one that I know resonated with you a lot was the concept of not being enough. When does it show up that you don't think you're enough? Um, I think uh, this comes, it usually comes uh, at every new endeavor. 
uh, every new uh, challenge. This is an occasion for this feeling to come up in surface. There are so many things that, that are not needed. <laughs> we actually need to get rid of. So this feeling of uh, not being polite enough, not being kind enough, not being intelligent enough, not being firm enough also, um, because firmness and uh, strictness is sometimes um, misinterpreted. And uh, when we actually uh, get more assertive of our point, uh, of our stance, uh, this is sometimes interpreted as, um, I don't know, as, as unwanted or as unnecessary so as to achieve, uh, achieve a goal. So we abandon the concept, we are enough. Yeah. So, but you've got some things that you want to add to this list, don't you? Firstly, this, this concept you want to jettison, which is that your role in life is to put other people first. Where does that come from and how do you get rid of it? That it comes from a, a feeling that I will, I will do it. I can do it. If, when it has to do with my needs, I will serve them at another point. And uh, even when the, uh, the room for me, the space for myself is getting smaller and smaller, I can still do it. I can still uh, proceed, move forward with less. Um, but this is not sustainable. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, this is not sustainable. Why? Because in the end, uh, when you cannot uh, take care of yourself, you cannot take care of others. And um, this would lead to self-destruction. And have you ever done that yourself? Yes, of course. Of course I have. And, um, you know, there are some times that we are requested by circumstances and we do not have another choice. For example, taking care of a member of our family who is ill, then uh, at, a, at an instant, uh, the focus is uh, on another person and it has to be this way, of course. But in the meantime, we also have to take care of ourselves. And you've not always been good at that? Uh, no, I haven't. But I've learned from that. <laughs> it, it is an impasse. It brings you to an impasse. Because um, in the end, it is all about living your own life and then being a model uh, for others uh, to listen to your cause and join you. But... We are first leading ourselves, we are leading our lives. I think your second point is, is about 
jettisoning a sense that you should make baby steps all the time and not do anything too bold without permission because failure is is so terrifying but failure is heavily punished if you're a woman isn't it yes. talk to me about that talk to me about that yes what you describe is uh, is a feeling that they have that um, I think you put it really nicely. Uh, taking bold steps, being bold, uh, express yourself in a bold way. Um, those are those uh, attitudes are being seen as um, I don't know. Um, can bring forward competitiveness, uh, competitiveness towards women. Um, women are not expected to be so bold and self-assertive. And uh, the feeling I have is that uh, taking taking risks is uh, not something that is expected by women. Women are expected to take smaller steps, being assertive of each one of it, and um, leaving their comfort zone, it's difficult for them. It's very difficult. Not that they're not capable of doing it, but I think there is an underlying feeling to request permission to do it. And you don't want to be like that anymore. No, um, you know, I consider myself as a rational thinker. I, I believe a lot in rational thinking. But uh, taking calibrated risks is also beautiful and uh, is very necessary because we are leading in, in very doubtful and uh, very difficult times. So taking risks it's something that it, it, it is a necessity. You know, using the term precarious life by Judith Butler, this is it. Again, we are living precarious times. And we are expected to take risks. So we have to get rid of this feeling that we need permission to do it. And we have to be more bold. Then you have this concept that that you dare not ask questions because that would reveal, I think you even said, that you're not intelligent. Tell me about that. Yes. So science is all about asking the right questions so that this can lead you uh, to resolving the, the questions of the world. Um, but in, this, in the meantime, I think we are very reluctant when uh, women ask a lot of questions. Um, this can be seen as impolite uh, or not being intelligent enough. 
I have seen it a lot. I have seen a lot of um, mostly body language uh, as a response to questions that have been addressed by women. And ha have you ever found yourself in a meeting where you have you've held back on asking questions because you didn't want to appear to be stupid? Um, of course. <laughs> of course, I've been in meetings that I had so many questions and I was uh, always trying to keep notes, even if I didn't really understand what I was listening at. And uh, I was thinking, okay, after this meeting, I will look it up. I will try to find this information. And once I have done my research and if I reach a point that I cannot understand what I've actually heard, then I will get back with the questions. But uh, yes, of course, of course. And you don't want to be like that anymore. The last, the last one on your list completely intrigues me because it is saying that you want to jettison certain, is it right, certain tones of voice? Um, I think I would like to highlight the importance of being heard. And the point here is um, the way women are addressing and uh, some tone of voices that really uh, depict um, the lack of self-esteem. They really depict uh, what, what all those barriers that they face. Uh, barriers to communication and, and expressing themselves. So, yes, what I would like to jettison is um, a fear that can be expressed through a tone of voice and can, can be interpreted as a lack of self-esteem. Tell me about that. So tell me about the voice and how do you sort that? How do you find out that you're using the wrong voice? I have found out that I use my voice in a wrong way, that it cost me losing my voice. <laughs> so I was, um, I was um, representative of the court during uh, elections. Uh, during the national election some years ago. And um, I was talking the whole day. This process started from 7 a.m. in the morning and it lasted until early next morning. So I have been talking the whole day. And this is not something typical for me. I do not talk a lot. <laughs> so I haven't practiced this muscle and um, in the end it cost me that I lost my voice at this point I put some more focus on the voice aspect and the tone of voice and um, I had talked with a vocal teacher and uh, she told me oh Anna you have a beautiful voice and I was saying I would really like to take some courses because after this last incident that I lost my voice, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want it to happen again. So I want to prevent it. And how can I do this? I want to practice the way I speak. And at this point, 
she paid more attention to the way I was speaking. And she told me, okay, you, you're doing something that you're making your voice more introvert. And this actually is not the right way to speak. And it doesn't do good to your voice. And um, yes, that was a point that I understood that even though I might feel confident about what I'm saying, my body <laughs> sometimes uh, puts obstacles. And this has been expressed through this, uh, through this circumstance. Yes. So that's intriguing. The concept. So if you are somebody who doesn't feel they're enough, that will be revealed in your voice. Of course. You can see it when people are talking uh, in the crowd, when, we're, when they are talking uh, before of the public. You can see how their voices change. I have seen women, uh, when they are addressing to men, raising their voices. We are not talking about, I don't know, if there is noise in the room and you have to raise your voice or us to be heard. It's the different fluctuations and the tone of voice uh, in order to not just to make yourself heard, but also to show boldness and assertiveness. It's another tool uh, to use in order to show assertiveness and the other way around, it can reveal uh, lack of self-assertiveness. Um, no one has ever mentioned this to me and it's absolutely fascinating. So if you discover, if you start using your voice in different ways, what do you discover? Share what you've learned. I practice um, better breathing, taking better breaths so as to to improve my tone, tone of voice, the way I, I speak. And um, I put a lot of effort to not let my tone of voice actually reveal uh, the way I feel. I think it reveals a lot about the statements that women want to make through the way they're using their voice. Consciously or unconsciously. Yes, both. Both. I agree. So I suppose that's an example of where you need friends to give you feedback. Totally. Friends and allies in general. And if leading, uh, we, we became more and more convinced on the expedition that leading is about creating and generating energy, you need a voice that will create and generate energy, don't you? Yes. Yes. And we have different types of uh, generative voices, yes energy generative voices because at sometimes we need calmness sometimes we need boldness we need everything we need a combination of everything 
and uh, making the best use of different tones of voice is very important. And I think it's a skill that it's also worth developing as part of leading. And how difficult is it to do it in different languages? This is even more interesting. This is even more interesting because uh, when when you're not fluent in a language, you will speak slower. This is the pace also. It's not only the tone, it's also the pace. And um, the, the interesting thing here I think is uh, the fact that speaking in different language is actually an effort done by the person to reach another audience, to try and uh, speak not only the language, but also the different culture. And this effort can be depicted, if you are fluent in this language, can be depicted in the tone of voice also and in the pace. But in some other times when you're not fluent enough as a speaker, I think it is valuable to recognize this effort. Those people, I think, should be respected uh, more and be given more space. And if they need more time also to express themselves. Do you sound very different? Would this interview be very different if you were speaking in Greek? Um, yes. Yes, I would be... First of all, I would be feeling more comfortable that I will use uh, the accurate... Uh, the, the, the words that I feel are best suitable and more accurate for what I want to share. And um, the tone of voice, probably, I would speak uh, louder. Yes. <laughs> so pulling all that back together, the answer is that when you start leading, there are many things that you need to jettison and that you'll find inside yourself and think, somebody else put that there, not me. And I need to take it out, spring clean it, and maybe not put it back in again. Yes. Some, some points will be under reconsideration. Some others need to leave. Yes. And this is a reiterative process. And I think it's, it's healthy to do it once, <laughs> once in a while. Thank you, Anna. Uh, your, your last point hugely held up a mirror uh, on the struggling to um, express yourself in somebody else's language. And it holds a mirror up to us who all want people to flow with ease and so roll out their words with a sort of elegance and speed and not recognize that someone else is expressing themselves not in their own language and 
it might not just happen quite like that. I I am very, very struck with your point about the need to jettison the temptation to take baby steps and for us to be bold because that's what's called of us, that's what's required of us in the modern day, to be bold and not to seek permission to be bold. It's a powerful point. And I, I, I am really taken with your point about voice. Uh, as I finish this episode, I wonder to myself how often I have failed to make a point or overmade a point with lazy use of my voice. Uh, I'm going to think about that quite a lot. Uh, especially as, <laughs> like you, um, only a few weeks ago, I lost my voice completely. Uh, it was entertaining trying to do the audio recording of the book and to keep going with the podcasts. It was a real shock to lose my voice. Uh, and even now, it's only just coming back. People have had to be very tolerant of my voice over the last few months. Anyhow... That completes the episode about what we need to jettison when we become leaders. Things that were put inside us by somebody else and not by us. Next week, we move on to the things that we need to reframe. Again, pulling from the book. If that's leading, I'm in. What are the things that we need to reframe in our minds when we become increasingly in a leading situation and um, top of the list of course is the imposter syndrome and bottom of the list but um, just as important that sense or that word privilege it needs reframing too anyhow look forward to next week in the meantime sending much love julia There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org. Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in. Really